Be good. <laughs> Hey there, friends and strangers. Well, I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. The only thing generally more satisfying than taking advice that you need is in the ignoring of advice that you do not. But I have recently been given some advice that I think I do need, and I'm going to follow it. I was told, and uh, rightfully so, that my intros are a little bit long and rambly, and uh, I'm going to shorten those up. I think the best way to do that is to tell people, if you care at all about what we're doing and where we're going, you can follow that at mtp.dog forward slash journal. And there, uh, make an effort to put up uh, where we're going and what we're doing. And it's all right there. You can just go there and find out. I'm not going to do it on these intros. Okay, with that said, I'm going to get right to the intro of our guest today, Mrs. Frazy Ford. Man, this lady is super cool. Not just because she's related to Charis, their cousins. Um, Charis being the very first guest on this show and uh, a cool guy and a pal. But uh, yeah, she's related to him, which is cool enough. I'd, I'd pretty much take any of Charis's relatives and put them on the show and be probably amazed by each one of them. But she's also a fantastic musician. Uh, in, in addition to her her previous life and work with a band called The Be Good Tanyas, where she was a founding member and uh, lead singer and great guitar player, uh, she's she's broken off to do her own thing uh, and has great solo work. She did a record in 2010 called Obadiah. Really cool. But uh, the one that we kind of talk about a bit in this episode and from which I, I used a lot of music, is called uh, Indian Ocean. She recorded that in 2014 in my hometown of Memphis, Tennessee, and she used uh, you know, the, the guys from High Records, like Teeny Hodges, and they recorded it all in Willie Mitchell's old studio with his family. It's really, really good record. I mean, I, I, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, and you can find that record on her website, frazyford.com, F-R-A-Z-E-Y-F-O-R-D.com. Uh, and she's got some uh, some shows coming up, actually, if you're going to be in the Pacific Northwest or, uh, or in Canada. August 1st, she's going to be at the Wide Skies Festival in Lethbridge, Alberta. And on the uh, on the 2nd, which is no joke, man, you got to hustle to get down there. She's going to be in Pickerton uh, at the Happy Valley. Uh, is it Pickerton? Pickathon, sorry, it's the Pickathon in uh, Happy Valley, Oregon. Um, that's hustling, man, to do a show like that back to back. And her stuff is powerful. It's really, really good music. So, anyhow, we're going to be using that in the episode. We talk about all sorts of stuff. I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm going to tell you to get on down to mtp.dog. Check us out. You can follow us on Instagram at Monkey Tooth Podcast. And if you're really digging the show, you can become a supporter on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash monkey tooth. For as little as one buck a month, you can help us out and make our journey 
a reality. Uh, we've, we've really gotten some great support lately, and I'm very, very grateful to our, our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for everything. Really hope you're enjoying the show. Feel free to reach out to us and let us know if you aren't for some reason, and I will be sure to uh, put your advice in the, uh, in the category of stuff that I need to follow and not things that I need to ignore. Okay, I hope you enjoy this episode. TTFN. You're working on an album. Yeah, I'm working on a new album right now. Mostly in the writing phase, but I'm kind of mixing up the recording and writing phase at the same time and just kind of recording as I'm writing, which is different than I normally do. Yeah, do you normally, like, are you doing piano or guitar? I'm doing both, but this time I'm working a lot with the piano grand piano and just kind of my rhythm section and I are working together a lot and there's kind of almost more this freeform recording exploration that we're yeah. doing that's fun for us and yeah it's yeah. been a we, I've been touring a, a ton with these guys the last bunch of years off the album Indian Ocean and yeah. um, gotten to really have a solid sense of like our thing so we're just doing these little you know, almost like anything I play with them, they're so good that they just make it sound good. So, <laughs> so are you? Uh, I'm always curious how people come up with a tune. Do you have? Do you write? Do you have a, an idea like lyrics in your mind and then write it music to it, or those come after? I do them at the same time. I I don't know. I find the writing process very mysterious unto myself. I find it very mysterious. Um, I have different ways that I approach it, but it's really. Um, I do a lot of kind of improvising every time I sit down to write, and usually in that space of improvising, I'll record three or four more new ideas, and then I'll be working on, I'm always kind of overlapping new ideas and things that I've been working on for a while, but I find that I need to sort of improvise in order to get into the space of writing. But then sometimes, often, I'll, and then I'll, part of my process, I'll go back and I'll listen to like what I, all the ideas that I came up with that week. And and there's often, I just go by whatever sticks with me. Mm-hmm. So if an idea sort of stays in my head, even a year later or something, I jammed a year later will kind of pop up and I kind of f- intuitively follow what surfaces. Mm-hmm. And even old songs that I wrote that never made it on other albums, often when I'm working on a new album, those those old songs will kind of come up. Yeah. So there's um there's sort of an overlapping process, but I tend to be quite slow, and then um, and then things will kind of fall into it all place. Pops out but at I once. don't know how it works. I don't, and I also don't sit down and decide. Okay, I want to write about this one thing because no, I feel like if you know too much about what you want to say, then you're not in a place of like learning about what you're because this. Uh, uh, you know, writing a song is kind of like having a dream, and if you're having a dream, the dream is often your brain is trying to understand something. So yeah. I often find when I'm writing a song, I don't know what it's about for a while, and it'll kind of kind of surface in some way. Or sometimes I know what it's about, but I don't know what I what I feel about it or what I really want to say. Yeah. And that will take me a long time. Almost take me the process of a year or six months sometimes to get to like. I had that initial feeling about this thing and now I'm at this other place with it or where's that feeling going yeah but it's not um it's not very linear and yeah. I'm like I really take my time and it's uh, I it's a quite a grand mystery for me 
I can imagine. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Do you ever feel like you're, you're? There's some other voice in you that's telling you a story. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, it's like you're telling yourself a story about yeah. something you didn't really know about necessarily. Well, I think that the, hum- the our minds are wild. They, you know, are, there's our conscious mind and what we're doing, and then there's just so much more information going on. That's it's got everything, you know, universal consciousness as well. Everything and and you know, I think our subconscious is always kind of leading us in these allegories or stories to understand our experience yeah yeah I, and it's interesting I, I read that you uh you're making clothing you sew which is a particularly linear process yeah do you do that with sewing do you get linear and like focus on a thing or is that sort of in that same creative it's in the same i do a lot of other like i paint and i do pottery and i uh, make a, i do love fashion i make a lot of clothes um i, I like to switch up like when i finished the bulk of the touring I had done for Indian Ocean, I I just spent about eight months just doing sewing and, and all that stuff, just to kind of unwind from the process of... Because when you make an album, you make the album, record the album, and then you embody it as as an art piece of art r- repeatedly. And we were touring internationally for a good two years. And, you know, those are those songs. And also, as a you know, as a person who gets a lot of attention in that role, you're also embodying that role and those songs and that sort of persona to a certain extent. And I think that in order to continue the process, you sort of have to um, unwind your any attachment you have to the idea of yourself and to the art that you already made and to people's opinions about that art. And so I, I tend to switch over... And sometimes I won't do anything creative for a while, but I find that anything else I'm doing, um, sewing, there's these, for one, they don't have any pressure on them. There's nobody really has an opinion about them. And I get to use my, my mind in a totally different way, which I find really necessary. Some people just keep writing, writing, but I'm not, I find there's almost like an ego death that seems to happen between every big project and... I almost feel like the letting go and not knowing is a really important but difficult phase of whatever might come next. Slow down, slow down, old world, there's no hurry, cause my life ain't mine anymore. I live too fast. Now it's too late to worry And I'm too blue to cry anymore I really liked your take on um, what would maybe be uh, perceived as like a sad tune. Uh-huh. You know, and, and using that, I, I very much agree with that. And I was raised in that culture of like, your sadness is what keeps you from being sad. Yeah. You know, embracing it and dealing with it and dancing around the things that are sad. Mm-hmm you express that sadness in a way that keeps you from actually experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your, your lyrics are heavy. That tune, um, it's a heavy album. It's way heavy. You are not free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that tune in particular, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I deal with a lot of self doubt. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I just get mired in it. And you, you seem like a very sensitive person. Just at least you, you 
pen very sensitive tunes. Mm -hmm. Do you have self-doubt? And if so, how do you work that out when you walk into a room with Teeny Hodges to like show him your tune? And how do you not, (laughs) what is your process to deal with that? Oh yeah, I have, I I don't think I know any artist that doesn't have self-doubt. And if they don't have self-doubt, they're probably not very good. If they're, (laughs) I just feel like overconfidence is not really helpful because Mm. there's so much of a sitting in the unknown, I think. Yeah, I mean, that was terrifying for me. It took, like, we had an initial session that I kind of got pushed into because I was so, like, I was very excited about it, but deeply terrified because these guys I was obsessed with for, like, 20 years. I listened to everything they did and then just randomly ended up having the opportunity to work with them but had no idea what I was going to record with them. And then I had to sort of lead and direct and, and kind of... So it took me years, like I had an initial session with them and it took me years of writing and thinking about it and went through a writer's block until I was ready to come back and work with them again. And it wasn't until almost the very end that I was like, these guys are down for whatever. Like they, they, um, they have all their own self-doubt. They have all their own, they're very human people and they live through all kinds of crap. And they've just like, you know, the the highs and lows, like they're responsible for some of the most beautiful music in the world. They're not known. They're not remunerated. I mean, Teeny is because he wrote some of those songs, but they're relatively, they're very humble, very cool. And they were just excited. They're just like, we're musicians that are excited about a project, a collaboration. And they were like, we had always wanted to work with a, with like a folk singer because back in the day, everybody was doing that. So it was really like, eventually I had to relax and be like, this is a real meeting of the minds here. Cause they were just as excited about, um, the collaboration as I was and they weren't, they were not intimidating in any way. That's so cool. They were very, very sweet to me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've never gotten a chance to meet any of those guys, but I, I can just, I don't know. I, I know a lot of Memphis musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I grew up there and yeah. uh, I can just kind of almost picture Teeny Hodges joking around about like, touring with white young white women like oh, cat yeah. power and you and yeah. then i think he did a couple other things like it was this kind of a, a thing towards the end of his career all uh-huh. of a sudden like i don't know did he ever joke around about that sort of thing he was or? hilarious he did, he told me some stories about touring with um sean in cat power and um he mostly i mean i actually recorded him telling a bunch of stories he just had he was he toured with ike and tina turner and they they they're great storytellers and that that studio willie mitchell's studio when you're there you're really it's like you're at willie mitchell's house and his grandkids are running the studio and they look just like him and his office is untouched with all his mail and everything still in it and his daughters will come and bring food and this was like a real central they're all very like they call him papa willie and it's this whole scene that's like their house basically like he kind of took these guys in and almost like adopted them and they were became like the house musicians so there's just this very like but also teeny was like he would teeny was a teeny was a badass he did all he got up to all kinds of stuff and so did they all like they all did so they were telling crazy stories and you know eating chicken and you know and he wasn't in good health and um yeah they it was almost they really treated me like family right away. Like they were, they were really welcoming, and and also it's in such a harsh neighborhood, and yeah. it was interesting. It was just wild to be right in the thick of this place where all the my favorite music was from, and yeah, they I felt very um, supported, and I didn't. In the end, there was no. Of course, I love everything they've ever done, 
but they're about now, you know, like everything they did back in the day was all was all very innovative and they're very in, they were interested in being innovative and moving forward, you mm. know. So it was I just that that particular tune's hard to keep harping on it, but that there was a moment in that song like sort of towards the end of the tune where it sort of builds into this like melancholy but joyous crescendo type of thing and if I were to play that tune with those guys and they kind of created that moment and so I would weep like listen yeah. to the playback I can't even imagine they what were that was like. it was hard like you know they're much older than me and I was like okay this song this here's a heavy song and this is about this and da, 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 da. but really where they just respond to feeling so it didn't matter doesn't matter to them what the song is about they just really vibed on the feeling which is you know same with my band it's like very it's just very feeling based and to them that's what music is like they don't really care about the genre to them the genre is really kind of irrelevant it's just like does this thing have a strong feeling and that's how i react to it yeah it's a language yeah and the th the three of them in particular because they're brothers and they play together so long they're just they're kind of psychically connected so they will just kind of they're their own train you know it's, it was a very wild experience it was very wild so you're you're done i mean that was four years ago you did the tour for yeah. a couple of years and so now you're you still gig, right? You're playing out. And, and yeah, I've been playing off and on. We did a tour in Australia, and um, I just came back from California. And um, but it's more just because I want to be performing. Last time when I was working on the album, I did I didn't do much performing. But this time, it feels good to just stay connected to audiences. And I really enjoy my band, and I I'm re I really enjoy playing. So it's enough that it's not impeding the writing process but enough that i'm like getting out and connecting with audiences and yeah it feels good for me yeah so. are you are you like bringing out stuff that you're working on yeah on stage and yeah. working it out through the yeah yeah cool. it's nice I, d I hadn't done that in years but it's been a nice um because you get so in your own head when you're writing and you know it takes me until i record the song I don't even think it's a song, so it's like all kind of murky, and it's helpful for me to be like, oh no, that that, that one seems like a song, you know, because for the longest, I go from feeling like I have ton um, to feeling like, oh, I've got nothing. Like mm. it just, it all just kind of, yeah, it's very amorphous. <laughs> I can only imagine. So, uh, what do you have? I don't know if this is too weird of a question, but do you have an idea of what? type of record you're making no and yeah. i don't try to make any decisions like that i never have even like when i was working on that uh, in, in you know album motion people the record label everybody assumed that it was going to be the sole album and that actually gave me writer's block for a long time because it was like i was trying to write sole material and i was trying to and then i was just like no i'm just gonna whatever comes up is what it's going to come up i did not think of it particularly as a sole album and it just, I really let the song decide what it's going to be. And there is generally like an underlying energy to something, but I don't ever make decisions about that. I'll get like inspired, like I'm kind of feeling a lot more rhythm on this or I'm feeling a lot more, there's a rawness or like maybe a texture that I'm cr craving or interested in, but I've never sat down and even decided I want to cover this song. It's very much more like what comes and what's, it's not really thought out ever, because to me that would—I don't work like that. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound like it. <laughs> no. Are you? Uh, do you mentor any other younger musicians who are like coming up and 
Have you gotten to the point where you, I mean, just the way you talk about the musical process, it seems like you have almost sort of the um, the producer's mind in a way where you could turn, you could hear something that others uh-huh. do not. Do you have any um, of that interest or no? Occasionally I hear somebody and I think, um, I feel like I could help them sort of hone. But I, I haven't really stepped into that role. I, I co-produce my producer and I. We do everything together. Um, it, what happens is a lot of people end up working with who I'm working with, and they'll work with my band and they'll work with my producer and they'll work in the studio. Like local people will kind of seek out because they're like wanting to check out that direction. And it's always kind of interesting to see how other people like interpret this similar rhythm section and all that kind of stuff. No, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I definitely give. Um, advice to people but i haven't ever sort of nurtured any any like acts no right right no yeah. i have a teenager and a dog and a cat I you don't... got plenty <laughs> i'm like one day baby <laughs> yeah you got plenty to look after yeah that's totally. cool you're raising a teenager yeah yeah that's he's awesome. 15 and that, wow. he's a handful so yeah <laughs> i'm like it's all enough <laughs> yeah i mean this seems like a pretty hip place to grow up though I mean, I, I... yeah it's a great neighborhood. I mean, like any other cool city, the gentrification and housing is a big problem here. But it's been a really great um, neighborhood. And and um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not interested in keeping him in any kind of bubble. And um, my parents did that for me. And I think it, it served me to have, to be exposed to the realities of life and like poverty and the all of the things and the complexity of life and but we make it out to nature a lot and and I try to keep that balance going but um I think I grew up in the city and it was it's a great it's a great city to grow up in but yeah it's it's sad the whole it's like San Francisco it's like becoming very unaffordable for people but that's like it just seems to happen yeah I think that's just the trajectory of it yeah it's like wherever the artist went and eventually like okay where are we all going now (laughs) you know because like the coolness keeps moving Mm, further away so yeah are your folks still living yep yeah yeah now your your dad is a conscientious objector yeah that is so fascinating to me i i i I was asking we were on salt spring just Uh recently and Uh i was asking a guy i was like well because he was like yeah there are a bunch of draft dodgers moved out here and that feels like a a weird way to phrase what they yeah done. it's true actually I, it's I don't true. know if they, they prefer not to be called draft dodgers what? I think that's just the title and just that's just what it is shit. and they yeah. were dodging the draft yeah. and uh, yeah. so they don't give a shit about that I don't think like. so and I do think the draft dodger scene has had a big influence especially in a lot of communities in BC like yeah. Salt Spring and Nelson and yeah. Vancouver and it brought up a lot of the real more left American movement into mm-hmm. Canada and I think it's influenced the culture here oh, that's cool. yeah but you know as it turns out he's not my real father oh wow
So Charis and I, much as we love each other, are not biologically related, although we are, you know, spiritually connected yeah. cousins. And um, yeah, so I, I have all this new family as well, mm, and they are cool. Canadian. So my mom um, left the States, um, and yeah, so they are... They all came to Ontario, and they were in these sort of farms and communes and all that stuff. And I'm the youngest of all these kids, and it turns out I have a different dad who wow. I've met recently. So there's a whole other family. That's intense. <laughs> it's man. rather That's intense. intense. It's intense that it was kept a secret for me. But yeah. like, Charles is actually the first one who told me that oh, wow. he had heard a rumor in the family. Um, so he told me when we were about 28, and he was like, you know, I've heard this rumor from Mimi that maybe we're not related. And um, I was—I just thought it was like the weirdest thing. And then years later, it came out that this was true. Yeah. So it's—it's it's interesting because I grew up in that family culture, and you know, you think of yourself as one way. Oh, and now yeah. I'm meeting all these other people. But now I'm meeting all these other people. And I'm like, wow, this actually makes so much sense because <laughs> I'm much more similar to these this family, the Godfreys. Wow. It's quite wild. That's. The the person who turned me on to I, many many years ago the Be Good Tanya's, uh, had a, I mean incredibly similar scenario. Uh -huh. Her, uh -huh. her, Jesse, sweet good friend of mine, uh, just she has a dad and a bio dad. Yeah, and bio dad. That's yeah. what I call him, B Diddy. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And people are always like bio fam. I'm like yeah, bio fam. Yeah, that's so wild, man. I I, I don't know. I can't. Um, I'm sure. I I'm not sure. There's a pretty good chance. I don't know. This might piss somebody off in my family, but I feel like Papa was a Rolling Stone uh -huh. in, in my family. So I might have like a brother or sister somewhere out there. Yeah, that, yeah. I don't know, who knows? But yeah. I don't think there's any. It's pretty obvious that I come from uh, the same stock as my family. I don't think uh -huh. I have that like sort of genie in the bottle yeah. surprise. Yeah. Did you? I mean, is there any like what came of that? Did you find like some? Oh yeah, like, these oh, people are great. I really like them. I was just um I'm um. Was trying to buy a place over on Gabriola and my new dad's he's got both he's like over there and the family's over there and I've got so I grew up with four three siblings I'm the youngest now I have four younger siblings oh, wow so and you're not the youngest anymore no I'm like right in the middle That's no it's dope. it's wild they're really cool people and they're very familiar to me like I have a, actually a ton in common with them and it was funny with my son I could never I could never place him in the Fords, I was just like, he's nothing like these people. And also, um, except that he and Cassius somehow are very tight, <laughs> and Phoenix as well. And But um, when I met the, the Godfrey's, I was just like, oh, he's like these people. And then I have, you know, it's one of those things where you little by little realize that you have so much in common with these people and like Genetics it's quite wild. Genetics are weird. I know, I have a grandfather who's 100 years old and he's still a practicing doctor. No he's very, he's like a world famous doctor. And he still drives. He just got his license renewed. Love and he that. seems like he's about 80 maybe, but like yeah. a really with it 80 year old, but he's 100. No shit. I'm just like, these people are wild. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, what a great gift to find under the doorstep of your life. Just it's like, pretty oh, nice. They're pretty nice. Awesome genetics, and everybody's cool, and we're doing well. Exactly. And, wow. It's been a it's been a trip. Like they're uh, 
It take take me a while, but I'm like, oh, these people are really cool. I like them. Oh well, yeah, so. I like them already. I've, yeah, they're cool. <laughs> they're just a concept to me, and I love them. I know. I went to their like a like I met my dad the one day, and it was really intense. And it was like I was so, I was just like, God damn it, this random dude <laughs> is responsible for my existence. I could just kind of tell. Yeah. And it really pissed me off. Mm. I was just like, this random guy that I've never met is has something to do with me, and I really annoyed me. And then I was like going home on the Sky Train, and I was just like, you know, that's it. Like some random dude could just be responsible. What? Who? Any of these guys? <laughs> I was like, had this feeling. I was so irritated by the whole thing, especially because I was, you know, deceived for right. you know. Yeah. And then, um, then the next day we went to a party at my aunt's house in Kitsilano. When I walked into the house, I knew what she was gonna look like. I knew what the house I. I felt very familiar to this place. Not not only that, but it was only about four blocks away from where my mom had had a house oh for 20 years. God. And uh, I walked into the place, and I had like a couple new brothers there, and like they had all their family, and it was like this really casual party scene. And it was exactly like walking in one of my own parties. Like I was just like, this is exactly like walking, and the way they relate, and the way they talk, and the way they are, it was like these are my people like I was like this is so weird and it was just like that from then on we were just all like they love they're very family aren't they love to hang out all the time every time I hang out with them it's just like I'm hanging it's just so strange because it's not like I like I do fit in with my other family but at the same time like I'm like these people are like and I don't know a lot of people that are like me it was like very weird wow (laughs) what an unbelievable journey you're I know because in my family I'm very different like mm. my brothers dropped out of high school you know like I was really like type A for a while and like really ambitious until in a weird way and then I was like yeah I'll do I'll be folk musician whatever <laughs> drop out and be a folk musician but yeah. it's just very funny well drop out and be a folk musician uh that so like when not, when you say the word draft dodger uh-huh. or you say the phrase like drop out and be a musician to no um no discredit to the troops and the people who went to war yeah i hate war but i respect the troops i mean that's a crazy decision yeah but the bravery that it takes to dodge the draft or to drop out and become mm-hmm. a musician that's an enormous amount of bravery mm-hmm. i think that gets to say uh, you know to push it offhand as like oh just a draft dodger or just yeah. some musician that's a huge leap it is a, a huge leap. leap i definitely like of anything my parents gave me I would say that growing up that way, I never felt like it was my responsibility to conform. To I, I conformed of my own volition. Like by rebelling, I was really interested in conforming for a while. <laughs> but there was never, we always had that freedom of, of questioning every system that mm. we were a part of. And I give my son the same thing. And I think it's tricky because it's tricky to not just follow and to question. But then I think if you're, if the people in your life allow you that freedom, it's a lot easier to make those kind of choices. You know, they might not go where you want them to go, but there's not, there's not like, there might be social society shame in like Mm -hmm. living outside that box, but your family doesn't, your family accepts you. And I think that um, my dad, um, that I grew up with, he had that from his mom. She was, she had been like, um, Norwegian communist. So he wasn't, um, he was supported ideologically in that decision. My mom wasn't, she was really rejected by her family for her Mm. 
choices. They're much more Republican. Mm-hmm. But um, he had that kind of backing, essentially. Yeah. Do you feel a connection with the states? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. For sure. Like, I consider myself, I grew up in an American culture. How my brothers are born in the states, and mm-hmm. both my parents I grew up with are, are American and very American. I really could see the difference culturally, like yeah. growing up, because it's quite a different culture here. Really I mean, it's is. similar, but it's quite different. Yeah. So I very much feel connected to the states and, yeah. like, the his, you know, sure. all that stuff. It's a, It's an interesting thing. I mean, even. So we've been parking in weird places, and we got busted the other night. Uh, we parked somewhere it's not technically legal to park. Yeah. And the lady who busted us in the morning was so friendly about it. Uh-huh. And just, I, I mean, she didn't say sorry, but yeah. she meant it. You know, yes, it was implied. Yes. It was implied. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was such a drastic difference. Uh-huh. Like, even, I mean, the parks are, are so well-kept and beautiful. Even the toilets around here are cleaner than they are in the States. Uh, I'm just struck by the cleanliness, friendliness, and sort of laid-back attitude of uh-huh. most Canadians that I've met. Is that, do you find that? Do you oh, notice yeah. those sort of things? Oh, when yeah. You go to the I States? mean, especially on the West Coast, it's even more. But there's a really, there's a big difference. Um, I think it's there's more of a socialist kind of attitude here. There's, like, people generally are like, I want to pay my taxes because I want healthcare and I want these yeah. things there's that kind of decision and there's that kind of value mm-hmm. you know and not for everybody but there's sort of this it's more European in the way of of sort of social responsibility and and the benefits like people are very clear about like we're trying to cover people's bottom line so there isn't so the society doesn't become violent we're trying yeah. to take care of people because that's how that's how an orderly society works and it doesn't work in every regard but there is kind yeah. of that basic um, there's less of that pull yourself up by your bootstraps and there's more trust of mm. each other because we don't have guns here so and we don't have this idea that we need to fight each other mm. and that we need to protect our home and all this kind of like that attitude is very foreign for us it's hard to relate to yeah um and it's definitely like kind of um there's more we're somewhere between Europe and the states of course the states has a huge influence over us culturally but it's 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 interesting to be here and watch sort of the the gun control issues and and that kind of a thing happen. Yeah. Because we live in a culture where there isn't the threat. I mean, there isn't the threat of gun violence and we see really like the benefit of that yeah. on every level. So it's hard to relate to the arguments for against gun control like it doesn't make sense from living in a peaceful essentially a peaceful culture a peaceful culture where you're surrounded by giant violent man-eating animals yes we are surrounded by bears and everywhere we've gone it's like watch out for the cougars and the wolves and bears (laughs) nobody's armed no one's armed because what are you gonna do shoot the cougar no you are not gonna shoot that cougar cougar. and unlikely you'll shoot that bear either like yeah it's not gonna happen for the most part the most dangerous animal in the forest is the guy exactly
And we're at the same time kind of watching this strange, horrible nightmare happen on the southern border. It's so we're separating families and all this sort of um, yeah. terrible, just sort of uh, the future will look poorly upon us for this. And, and even the Canadians that we've met have been a little exasperated. You know, our polite cousins to the north are like, what the fuck are you doing down yeah, there? Why are you putting intense. kids in jail? I mean, we have our own immigration. Um, like somebody sure. was sit, pointing out that we have people detained and we're not like, you know, we're doing stuff as well. But um, uh, we had a Syrian family living at our where I live um, for like a year and a half. My landlords like took them on, sponsored them. And I knew uh-huh. a lot of people that were sponsoring Syrian families. And um. It's, yeah, it's it's really intense. I mean, I I don't know the 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 general scope of you know, but it's it's such an intense thing. It's such an intense thing that the world is going to be dealing with more and more for a long time, especially with like climate refugees and all that stuff that's going to happen. And these types of things are like setting the precedent of how of how we're going to treat people. And yeah. and I just like it's so annoying to me the, that. Trump spent so much of that elect, you know, thing othering and dehumanizing mm-hmm. people and I just I found that so terrifying and now to see that him carrying that forward and to see people defend it. Yeah. That's what I find so like that like did we learn nothing from Hitler? Like did we learn nothing? I yeah. guess somebody learned how to do this like It's it's definitely painful to see the otherizing, especially when we've lucked out in the states on our neighbors in such a huge way. I mean, Mexican people are amazing. Yeah. They're wonderful human beings. I mean, every we're all just human. The, the borders are just yeah. a concept, but I to be sandwiched in between such lovely countries uh, it, we just really lucked out. So, anyhow, I don't mean to drag you into an no, a, a it's, immigration. No, it's pretty. Uh, I I actually like. I felt like the response was really slow, mm-hmm. and there was about there was about a week ago or four or five days ago where I was just like, because normally, like, there's a bunch of artists who kind of watch each other and we'll we'll post political stuff, and I was just like, wait a minute, where is the reaction? Like, it just wasn't happening, and I saw a few things, and finally, I like started posting to my fans and. And yeah. then I found out that the day that I was starting to post there was like a huge day of action that yeah. nobody knew about and nobody was posting about. And there was no. And then now it, it like a few days it kicked in, but it was so disturbing to me what was going on and the lack of. I mean, I understand people are burnt out, but I was like, this is really like yeah, a huge is, one. This was the warning cry before, like during the election, like, hey, this is the sort of shit we got to watch out for. Yeah. And it actually landed. Yeah. I don't know. It, We've we've not really been following any uh, news. We've uh-huh. been kind of on a news blackout, but certain yeah. stuff filters through, and it, you know when that, it shows up, it's like oh my god. No, it's how, just how everybody is here? so disturbed. Like I don't know anyone who's kind of like I was talking to my upstairs neighbor, and she's got two small kids, and her her girl couldn't sleep last yesterday, and we were just like she's she was sitting there being like, this is what this these little kids are going through. Like they're just crying day and night. It just is horrific. It's just horrific. It is horrific. Anyways, it's. Um, I'm glad that there's all kinds of demonstrations and everything yeah. happening yeah. right now. And I, it's funny. My, I have one aunt who's. I have a few aunts that are very Republican. They post stuff, and she's posted something like, "Isn't it funny that it took Donald Trump to negotiate with Kim Jong or whatever?" 
and the Democrats couldn't do it. I, I never, I just never replied. I was just like, yes, they just have more in common. <laughs> And I just left it at that. I guess they have more in common. And I'm just like, ah. you know, I, I look, I'll, I'll take any win I can get out of uh, out of Donald Trump that is not horrible. Yeah. You know, I don't want him to fail. I want his agenda to fail, but I don't want, you know. Yeah. I, I want good things to happen for Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, I mean, good things on the cosmic scale, not necessarily like what he might consider a good thing. But yeah. I want good things to happen. Uh, and if, yeah, if he can negotiate peace and, and save some suffering in North Korea, I want that to happen. Yeah. I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm more care about human beings yeah, exactly. than, than Donald Trump being an asshole. Because yeah. that's just, that's implied in every time he brushes his teeth or thinks about air, he's just an asshole. Yeah. But th- if he can do something good, great. Yeah. Well, I can go get it. You know? Totally. Totally. You know, uh, what was the phrase like a the sun will shine on a pig's ass yeah totally yeah. it was just it was tricky it was hard for canada because like, he was like telling us we had a, was oh, a special yeah. place in hell for us but oh, like he's God. all cozying up to what's his name we're just like yeah. you're kidding me yeah no it's <laughs> it's hard every day people keep saying man he's got to go he's got to go and i i agree but in the meantime we're we're just kind of gone. We just sort of left you're like let's, let's let's go let's just i think go it's a good idea and go in a sort of, I mean, we have no political agenda, but a bit of a goodwill sort of thing. Like, we'll just be nice to everybody. Yeah. Because that's just what we do. But, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't really care to necessarily be an ambassador of anything. But if we're yeah. an ambassador of America being kind to people, that's a good I'm happy thing to, to do. I think it's a good thing to, to do. do. We'll just, we're not all dicks. <laughs> no, doing, no, yeah. that's the worst part. Like, yeah. nobody thinks that. Yeah, we're just like, oh, oh. Anyways, yeah. yeah. Politics. 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 What about um, switching gears, just slamming it into reverse? Mm-hmm, <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you, I know you've got to, you got to get going. I'm excited for you to, um, to get back to work on your album. But um, you're sewing, you're painting, mm-hmm. you're raising a child, you're doing gigs, you're writing a record, and you're buying a house. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Why? Just why? generally yeah. why? What's what's your what's pushing that? Do you think it's the genetic connection to your ambitious relatives that you've recently discovered? Oh, does that is seem ambitious to you? Is there something that you want? Like what do you what are you trying to land on? Oh God. I don't know. Um, the reason I'm interested in this place is because it's on a, an island and I actually just find that I always want to be by the ocean. Like later today I'm gonna go be by the ocean. Um, that's for the reason. Also, to have something to pass on to my kid, because I live in the most expensive city in the world, and I'll, I won't be able to do that here. Um, why? I'm just enjoying, and I mean, I think that um, I've chosen a path of uh, being a songwriter, um, and it chose me. And I don't. I. It's. It just seems to be cosmically what I. Do and I th- I feel like um, I lived through a very you know traumatized experience and that's a part of why I had to do music um, in order to like heal myself and and I think that that is it, that is the real ambition that I have and I have always had is just to bring more joy to um, and healing to you know generations of really. Uh, messed up 
people. I think so much of it is related to colonialism and cutting ourselves off emotionally and all these children raising children. And I feel like um, that's that's a real ambition for me is to not repeat and to heal myself. And through healing myself, I find it's just been my karma that um, people relate to what I do almost like energetically that are... Because I think that we're so messed up as a culture and we and there's we have so far to go in terms of kind of knowing ourselves we're so young we're such teenagers we we we're very broken people even though we look good in the world we're very broken people and that's my ambition I think um and fun like just you know we're not here very long and I just I I make clothes because I love color and I just like to wear really bright shit that's why I make clothes. It's just for joy. <laughs> like, because there's, I come from a, like, there was a lot of joy, but a lot of darkness in, in the way I was raised. And just to kind of have pure survival. So, you know, one of my brothers is a heroin addict. And, you know, the, the people who live through what we live through, it was very, very hard. And I think there's no, there's no way I could have sort of chosen to keep being here unless I had found a lot of beauty and reason and that's my that's my ambition I'm not like a money-oriented person or a I I like to live in the moment and have a good time basically that's why yeah that is why I knew we'd get along (laughs) (laughs) that's great yeah so that's what it is yeah how can people help you realize that goal oh they really do I mean I feel very blessed and um um people that um, I, I live off my art and it's very sweet and I live a decent, healthy life and I just, that's, that's how it is. And if it changes, I'm cool with that too. There's so many other interests that I have and, um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I get to go and perform for people and it's always a very magical experience to sort of have that communion with a crowd of people and, um, with my band and I've, I, it's really like we were just in San Francisco and we played this beautiful show at the independent and Funkadelic had been playing. We got to see Funkadelic and we just released a track and there's always like, you know, like I'll be thinking about certain artists like D'Angelo and then he'll appear at the festival. Like it's like all this kind of, I get anything that I might possibly think is a a wonderful experience to have. Like musically, it just kind of seems to happen that way. And you know, if I died tomorrow, I'd be like, that was a good run I had. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I had a good run. Yeah. If uh, if we were, if you gave us like a ride to uh, the supermarket and you hit play on the iPod or whatever in mm-hmm. your car, what are you listening to right now? Um, I just discovered Andy Shelf. He's Canadian. He, I think he's from Winnipeg. Andy Shelf? Shelf. I think Shof. it's S-H-O-U-F. He's a great songwriter. Um, I'm also really obsessed with an album by this guy, Sir. I love neo-soul kind of modern R&B. That's probably the main thing I listen to. Um, those are the two records that I'm pretty obsessed with. I actually love the soundtrack from that show, um, Insecure, with um, Issa Rae. It's set in L.A., and she's like a brilliant writer, comedian. It's like very black culture, um, hip-hop. Uh, R&B that's kind of I listen to a lot of that that's like what I that I listen to a lot of but Andy Shelf is he's kind of almost like Elliot Smith 
um, but I'll, but not as dark, but really beautiful melodies and songwriting. And I also really recently got into what's her name, um, Angel Olsen. She's uh, her last album called My Woman is great. And my really good buddy Phil Cook just put out a beautiful record. He and I are going to collaborate after this album. He and I are going to collaborate. So, yeah, those kind of things. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, com. Yeah. Yeah. F R A Z E Y Ford.com. Yeah. That's uh, me. Instagram. It's Obadiah11. Obadiah. That's right. Oh, I love. I forget that you guys all have these super cool names. That's my yeah. middle name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Give it after a cat? My, uh, my brother's cat. My brothers got to name me my middle name, and they named me after the cat that had just run away, Obadiah. That's so perfect. Yeah, it really is. So cool. <laughs> you definitely have... I mean, We spend a lot of time together in the van, uh-huh. uh, and just it doesn't take much to entertain us, but saying your name... <laughs> Fucking great, crazy forward, crazy. and I had to. So I'll be honest. Like I had to, because I'm I'm terrible with this. I've done this with many names. Uh-huh. And I think I inherited it from my mom. I love you, mom. But uh, like pronunciation fucks with me sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I had to text Charis. I was like, "Is it frazzy like jazzy or frazzy like crazy?" And he's yeah, like, frazzy like crazy. Yeah, good, good. So, yeah. yeah, that's what I tell people. Yeah, because <laughs> like, like, it's hard for you know the new name. It doesn't. It's so great. Lock into people's yeah, braids yeah. right it's away. Fantastic. Thank you. I know. I know because I was like, yeah, it sucks I didn't get to meet the Godfreys for so long, but the name would not have worked. It just wouldn't have been the same. I would have yeah. had a different life. Yeah, I've been too much to say. <laughs> too much to say. Yeah. Just, you know, and they're a very proud family, so it's like, that's nah, uh, great. It's, yeah. And I, I, I was just hanging out with some more Fords in San Francisco. I'm like, I'm still a Ford, damn it. I survived the Fords. Like, I'm not, I don't lose that badge. I, no, I'm just you, like, you know, I don't have those crazy ass genetics. I have these right. other crazy yeah. <laughs> well thank you so much for sitting with us yeah you're welcome great to meet you guys yeah. and you
Hi, Tiffany here, saying thank you for listening to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you haven't already, or it's been a while, check out our website, mtp.dog. There's plenty of information there. An about tab with a little bio on Andrew, myself, and our dog Pele. There's also a van build tab detailing how we did our van conversion. A journal tab and we, as an Andrew, are doing our best to keep that up to date. And last but not least, a contact tab where you can leave your thoughts, suggestions, or questions. You can also contact us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you would like to donate and or subscribe to the cause, you can go to Patreon and GoFundMe at Monkey Tooth Podcast. Patreon is not just a place to subscribe. We post lots of content there as well. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love to all. Sad.